The Leap Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Mentor podcast with New York Times bestselling author, motivational speaker, and celebrity dentist, Dr. Bill Dorfman. Hey, Dr. Bill here. So I'm excited to introduce you to Jerry for another Meet the Mentor. But before I do that, I just want to let you know, we are planning to do Leap Live. Well, live and virtual. Okay, the new dates, July 18th to the 24th. So the live program will be at UCLA. And provided there's no more corona, which we hope, (laughs) we will do the program live. It will be at UCLA. But because we had such a great turnout virtually, it will also be virtual. This year, we had about a 1,000 students attend the program. I think that with the live program, we'll have about 400 students, and the virtual will probably have up to 10,000 students. This should be the biggest, best leap ever in the history of LEAP. I'm super, super excited. I've already got a great lineup of speakers. So again, write down the dates, July 18th to the 24th at UCLA. For more information, go to www.leapfoundation.com. The in-person program is still $2,500. The virtual program is $449 but we will have amazing speakers. So why do we do these Meet the Mentors? Well, we started doing this because I wanted to give students a little bit of a kind of a precursor to what was going to happen at LEAP. And for those of you that don't know about LEAP, it's a motivational leadership program for high school and college students where students learn the skills that they need to be successful in life. And we do that by bringing in amazing mentors. And part of the program that the kids really love is Friday, where we do our mentor workshop. So as a precursor to that, I started bringing in these mentors and doing the Meet the Mentor. Well, who knew it would explode? Like, I'm looking at the numbers. We were like number one in Yemen, number two in Iceland, number three in Finland. In fact, we rank in the top 100 in 50 countries worldwide with Meet the Mentor. So thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads are happening every every day, every week. So I like to bring in a lot of different people. And this day, we're going to bring in Jerry. I know Jerry through uh, my metal group. Uh, Jerry Riskin is an internationally recognized lawyer, author, and management consultant and founder of the 35-year-old Edge International, which he'll talk about. It's a global consultancy with offices worldwide. He's a graduate of commerce as well as law, so he has two degrees. Jerry practiced since 1973 and was managing partner of a law firm in Canada and Hong Kong before forming Edge International. Jerry specializes in counseling law firms, leaders on issues relating to the evolution of structure and management of their law firms, as well as the architecture and the competitive strategies that they need to succeed. Jerry has served hundreds of law firm clients around the globe, from small boutiques to mega firms, including and working with the largest law firms in the world. Jerry is a Canadian, but has resided in the Caribbean islands and has been there for over 25 years. Jerry, thank you for coming to Meet the Mentor. It's a privilege to be here with you, Dr. Bill. 
Now, is that your actual background or is that a virtual one? Uh, it's virtual today, but that is the view from my home in Anguilla that my wife is hopefully enjoying that as we speak. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank so you. one of the things that Jerry and I talked about, and I'm going to share with you guys, is, you know, Jerry and I come from the same generation. Guys like us, men and women went into business. Like if you were a dentist, all you did was drill teeth. If you were a lawyer, all you did was law. But both he and I kind of branched out in our careers. You know, I became a New York Times bestselling author. I, you know, was on reality TV. I started Discus Dental. And, you know, Jerry kind of did the same thing. He basically has degrees in law and business. And by taking those and fusing them, he formed an amazing company. And Jerry, why don't you share with our students what it is that you actually do so they understand? Well, thanks so much. Uh, you're right. The background was certainly being driven as a child. And I think some of your students can relate to this, those who really want to be a lawyer. And I hope for good reasons. That's how I started out. And I was fortunate to uh, go through great education and then end up in a great hundred-year-old law firm, the best firm in the region where I practiced. And then I evolved from that to wanting to manage a law firm. And that's when I evolved to uh, being the managing partner of a firm in Canada and Hong Kong. Well, what happened was that my passion for how a law firm might be managed as well as, you know, how law might be practiced uh, drew the attention of my friends in other firms all over the place. And it grew a little bit virally. And so suddenly I was traveling around the planet. I have 8 million miles since I moved to Anguilla, British West wow. Indies. Yeah. So, so off I went to help my friends and other law firms, help them uh, overcome their challenges. And uh, that led to the formation of Edge International. We now are on the ground in India, in Australia, et cetera, et cetera, dotting the globe and doing what you said we do. But see, I don't think that people realize that a law firm is actually a business. You know what I mean? Like, you know, students think, okay, you're a lawyer. So that means, you know, you're going to be in court and you're going to be doing this. And you're, but I don't think that they realize that there's a back end that, you know, in that business, you actually have to run a business. And law firms have to, you know, have a lot of the challenges that any other business has. Like, where do you get clients? You know, how do you run the office and all that? So maybe you can share with the students what it is that you do that helps law firms run better. Because, you know, what you did is you took your background in law. So you knew law, you knew the business and you say, OK, I know how to practice law. But what I'm seeing is law firms aren't really you know, succeeding because they don't know how to run the business. It's just like we do in dentistry. You know, I can go in and drill on teeth and I can make you a beautiful smile, but how do I run a dental office? You know, how do I hire and fire and, and where do I get patients from? So maybe you can talk about how edge evolved. Yeah. What a great question. You, you know, you're right. Uh, we, we have a perception of ourselves in terms of our profession. I'm a lawyer uh, I'm a good lawyer. I work very hard to please clients, to help clients. So they should just line up at my door. They, they should just wait their turn to come and see me, right? Because I, I, I mean well for them. And, you know, I, I was spoiled as a young lawyer because our firm, a 100-year-old firm, did have a lineup at the door. 
with, with the great reputation it had. But the fact of the matter is that the consumer, meaning our clients, are becoming more and more discerning, more and more sophisticated. Now, some of our clients are people, like you, Dr. Bill, <laughs> people. And some of our clients are corporations, and they're, the, 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 the client that they are is driven by a general counsel, an inside lawyer who's getting outside legal help for maybe a mega company. How does a general counsel choose an outside law firm? How do you choose an outside law firm? So the challenge that many of my firms face is they'll say, we work so hard. We're excellent at what we do. We think quality is the most important thing in the world. How do we distinguish ourselves? How do we get the attention of prospective clients so they might know we exist? So that's what I help them do. Now, just one more riff from that is that law firms have grown uh, in my lifetime. And now the biggest law firms in the world have thousands of lawyers. And many law firms have at least hundreds, if not tens, around the world. And so once that happens, somebody has to lead them. And they don't like leaders from other professions very much. They're a little scared of them. So they want lawyers to lead lawyers. And the lawyers who lead lawyers don't usually have the skill and the experience to do that well. Because the punchline is, Dr. Bill, and I'm sure it's the same in your wonderful dental practice, we want people performing to peak. We want the best performance they're capable of. And so I help lawyers who lead within their firms get that performance from other lawyers in their firm. Does that help, Dr. Bill? You know, it's so, it's so exciting to hear you talk about this because what you're talking about is actually the reason that LEAP even came into existence. And I'll explain it to you. There was a man, we lost him a few years ago, named Walter Haley. His nickname was Itsy Bitsy Haley. He was about four foot 11, but this powerhouse man, right? And he was an insurance salesman. And most of his clients were dentists. And what he quickly realized was dentists have no idea how to run a business. They may have what we say, golden hands is a phrase we use in dentistry where they're really talented. They're very skilled. They do beautiful dentistry, but they couldn't like sign a paycheck if their life depended on it. Right. So Walter started something called dental boot camp, and it almost became cultish where dentists would come with their whole team and learn how to run a dental office. Right. Well, people went to this and thought, Hmm, why can't we do something like this for our kids? Let's teach our kids the intricacies of business, how to market, how to network, how to create a team. And that's what was the precursor to Leap. So, you know, we basically were born out of the same kind of environment that you started your company. And I think the thing that's interesting is, you know, like I said earlier, you and I come from a generation where if you were a dentist, all you did was drill teeth. Today's generation will probably have 10 to 15 to 20 different careers along the way. So let's say you're a young student watching this and you know, you're an architect and you love being an architect and you establish yourself as a really, really well-known, talented architect. 
what's to say you can't form edge architecture and go out and teach other architects how to run a business, how to market yourself, how to find clients. I think that's super exciting. Absolutely. And uh, if that architect is out there, come see me <laughs> because we'll work together on how to, how to build that. So uh, here, uh, tell me one of your biggest success stories. Tell me a, a law firm that you went into where you really said, you know what? I did a great job. Like you really knocked the cover off the ball. Like you took this firm to a place in, in a different stratosphere with it that they never, ever, ever imagined they'd be. There is a firm that comes to mind uh, and it comes to mind for a couple of reasons. They wanted help with their strategy. What direction should we go in? You know, how should we figure this out? Now, when you say strategy, strategy internally, how to run or strategy in marketing or strategy with what? You know, even that, Dr. Bill, is a very insightful question because left to a default, when lawyers and others think about strategy, they tend to default inward and inward is not a good place to look for strategy. It's the outside world we serve. And it's the outside world we attract work from. It's the outside world's perception of us that's so important. So when we work with a law firm on strategy, we try to get them off the habit of looking inward too much and make them look outward. We research but like, their- like just cutting to the chase, what was their problem? Did they, did they want to run better? Did they need more clients? I mean, what was the actual- pain point that they had where they said, we need to get you in to help fix this? I think they saw a lot of potential. And I think they kept on bumping into a wall when they tried to do things themselves. And they couldn't grow, they couldn't, they couldn't prosper the way they wanted to. So basically, and they felt like they had a talented group of people that weren't hitting you know, the high marks that they wanted to hit. And so they called Jerry and said, Jerry, help us. What'd you do? With a fairly extensive process that I sure won't take uh, your audience uh, time with, uh, we took them through an examination of their marketplace, what was outside, an examination of what their talents were, their structure and so on. And what's really important, Dr. Bill, and it would be the same if I had the privilege of working with you with your dental practice, and I, I don't specialize in that, so that's not a pitch, uh, is to understand you. And you're obviously unique, extraordinarily unique, but everybody in their own way is, is unique. So it's understanding the unique nature of that particular law firm and, and then helping them make good decisions for themselves. I consider myself uh, someone who can help them with options and alternatives. If there's something they don't know, I can educate them a little bit. But at the end of the day, like you, Dr. Bill, you'd be the driver of the judgment calls and the decisions. So specifically, what is it that you did for them and what were the results that you achieved? So one of the things I did, and it really comes to mind because the leader of that firm till this day thanks me for this little part, and I'm proud to share it with you. I help them understand that we have a professional mindset, which is different from a business mindset. So for example, just, just, just to, I'll use you as the illustration. As a dentist, you're a perfectionist. Nothing but 100% is satisfactory to you. 
In fact, in fact, that's the minimum standard for you. You, you, you want the result to be perfect. You want it to be, and you, you hate risk. You hate for your dental patient to ever suffer a problem that you could have prevented. And if they do have a problem, you want to resolve it. So as a dentist, you're a, you're a perfectionist and you, you, you are critical and analytical of every step of the way. Every, every piece of equipment you're allowed to use, everything, you, you examine the heck out of it and you want the best, 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 best. As a business person, we know that we have to try things. So for example, if a law firm says, how do we develop, how do we market? How do we attract new clients? Should we have a commercial? Should we send out this kind of documentation? Should we use social media? What should we do? And the answer is, we will all be judged in hindsight. When we're tremendously successful, we're rock stars. While we were trying to figure it out, we were just experimenting, experimenting, experimenting. Now, punchline coming. So the professional mindset is a perfectionist, and I won't shoot the arrow from my quill until you show me I can hit the bullseye, because I'm a perfectionist, and I don't, I don't fail. As a business person, I have to adapt the mindset to, you know what, uh, General Mills that sells us Cheerios in the morning is the most successful company in history at introducing new products, and their hit rate is maybe two-thirds, 66%. So as business people, we have to be more accepting of many failures. And I know, I know, Dr. Bill, and you share with your audience that you don't, you don't have failures. And, and, and the reason you don't is the punchline of why that business attitude must accompany the professional attitude. And last thing, and then over to you on this, is that I explain to the people I work with that they can change mindset as fast as you can snap your finger from that professional perfectionist to the business person. And you have to know when to do it. Because if you go into a business meeting with that perfectionist attitude, then the first idea you hear, you'll tear apart. Let me tell you all the things that are wrong with that idea. Boring, right? Which is why sometimes lawyers are boring at social functions. Right. Over to you on perfectionism. So, I mean, conceptually, I agree 100% with what you said. But tell me specifically, what did you do for these guys? I mean, I get it. You, you know, you told them, look, you got to open your mind and you got to try new things. What is it that you actually, what was the pain point, the thing that they were struggling with? What was the proposal that you gave them and what was the result from what they did? Yes. And, and uh, Dr. Bill, uh, my approach is very much process as opposed to content. In other words, you wouldn't call me in to examine everything and come up with a page of recommendations, do these 19 things and you'll be successful. That's not me. I'm a process-oriented consultant. So what I did was I helped them explore their market. I helped them explore the kinds of practices they have and the kind of practices they could have potentially, the kinds of industries they now serve and some they should continue to serve and some other industries that they should begin serving. And by helping them conduct that exploration, they came to a place where, with excitement and passion where they thought, you know what? This is what we can be. Next step. Okay, execution. Bright people can come up with a brilliant idea 
and then they float away, you know, proud of themselves for having been so brilliant. Uh, 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 uh. Execution is a one foot in front of the next. So, so, but tell me, Jerry, specifically, like, so their problem was, who is our client? Like, are we better with these kind of customers or these kind? Or so basically, you help them hone in on the right client what kind of client was that like specifically like i want to know like what was the you don't have to tell us the name of the firm but what was it that you came up with as a resolution how did you attack that and what were the results specifically oh, not conceptually I'll give, you, I'll give you one specific i'll give you one specific so you because i know you want to i uh, uh pun intended you want to sink your teeth into one specific example uh they after this process appointed a chief experience officer, an individual who was responsible for how the clients of the law firm interfaced with the law firm, whether they came into a reception area, how that reception was completely redesigned and rethought uh, to uh, interactions by, in, with other media. They completely rethought it such that their clients would have higher engagement, and if you don't mind, the glue that holds the clients to them would be enhanced. So they built a modified to, to the better, in their view, practice. They glued their clients to them more strongly for more loyalty, uh, more future referrals and prosperity. And the, the one of the punchlines is that it's, it's an evolving matter. One of the things the leader tells me, and the name of our consultancy is Edge, as you mentioned, he said, Jerry, the word edge is used constantly in our law firm. We keep thinking, okay, we have to go back to our edge approach. What do we do about this? What do we do about that? So in effect, it's a way of doing things that they've adopted that I find very exciting. Is that, does that answer your question or am I still holding out on you? Well, I, I kind of really wanted like a specific example. So what I'm getting from you is that they didn't really feel like they built strong enough client relationships. You helped them build these relationships by looking at, you know, the way they interacted with their clients and whatnot. So I guess my, my ask of you is what did, what was the bottom line to their business as a result of making these changes? They have prospered beyond what their expectations were, well beyond what their expectations were. They're excited about how they practice. They're excited. Their self-esteem as a law firm, which is significant, has risen. And they're pretty delighted campers. They're pretty delighted campers. But that again, that's, that's only one example. I mean, you mentioned largest law firms in the world. For one of them, for example, they wanted to do scenario planning. What scenario planning? Well, Shell Oil does it. They say, what if a war, a war breaks out? Then what do we do? What if there's no war? There's peace. What do we do? What if there's prosperity? What do we do? What if there's not prosperity, etc.? They go scenario, scenario, scenario. And this huge law firm asked us, help us think about the scenarios that are relevant to our global firm and then help us think through how we should address each of those, each of those scenarios. So again, uh, much like your excitement, because every patient's a new challenge. Yeah, some of them are similar. I get it. Yeah. But every patient's a new challenge.
Yeah, no, that's fun. And, and I would never even think of doing that. Like if you had told me in January of 2020, sit down and think of scenarios like the pandemic wouldn't have even made the radar, right? So yeah, that's smart. It's smart to do that. Switching to, to like you, Jerry, as a person, what do you think really drives you? I know that, you know, I know that you love being of service to people, but, you know, maybe you can pontificate on that a little bit more. Well, I can kind of take you through, I hope, a quick one, two, three. Do uh, it. I was 11 years old and I decided for reasons that we could discuss another time, I had to be a lawyer. It wasn't, do I sort of want to be a lawyer? No, 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 no. This, this, this was a requirement in my life. I had to be a lawyer. Okay. That, by the way, is very helpful to your audience to make some decisions when they can, because a whole bunch of decisions become easier. You, you, you see your counselor in high school and the counselor says, so what kind of courses do you think you want to take? And you say, I want to be a lawyer. What are the best courses I could take if I want to be a lawyer? He says, well, how about Latin? done. I'll sign up for Latin, etc. So that's number one. I, I focused and had a passion for that. Uh, number two, uh, I went to the people in the profession, and you've preached this. I've heard you say this, Dr. Bill, on your podcast, etc. I went to people who I thought were tremendously successful, who I admired, said, what did you do to prepare to be the lawyer you were? And they said, well, Jerry, if you want to be a business lawyer and help business people, get a business degree. Off I went, got the business degree, I loved business school, not just the accounting stuff, but the, the, the uh, group dynamics stuff, sociology, psychology, all of the peripheral things, which is going to lead me to something in a moment. In fact, I loved marketing so much, I nearly took a, took a diversion to get a PhD in marketing, but we'll float that. Then I become a lawyer in the best darn firm you can imagine. And I'm looking at these great, great, great lawyers who know nothing about business. Nothing. Nothing. I, I use the metaphor of, of, of the law firm being a ship and it's at sea. And because they haven't hit an iceberg yet, they think, what's, why should I worry about icebergs? We've, we've always managed to steer around them as we saw them just in time. And so, uh, Dr. Bill, I became a translator. And, and I was very fortunate to attract a lot of work to myself in my first year of practice. And they hadn't seen that kind of thing happen before, because that's not that kind of firm. Most of the clients were clients of the firm. not either. All right. So they had me teaching internally. It was kind of a humbling experience, but they had me teaching. How did you attract those clients? And a light went on. They don't know. I mean, they're natural and they're good at it. Some of them are phenomenal at it, but they don't know what they're doing. They, they, they couldn't repeat it and they couldn't teach it. So punchline, I decided that as my friends and other law firms started telling me, hey, Jerry, we're having a retreat in our firm. Can you come help us? And I said to my firm, listen, I'll give all the money I make from doing that to the law firm so you don't have to be jealous of my doing it. I learned how to translate business principles so that they could be effectively used in law. And that grew and it grew and it grew and it didn't have borders. So suddenly it was hopping over to England for this and hopping over to the Far East for that. And that's how it evolved. How many employees do you have now? We all, we're small. We're fewer than a dozen people in our circle of people around the globe. And we don't have junior people. 
Uh, we don't have associates. We, we bring people into a mandate as they're required, and we have people we trust and love working with, but everybody in our organization is a sort of senior partner level person with a lot of expertise and a specialization or two. That's awesome. All right, and my last question, what's next? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I do have a thought for any would-be lawyers that are watching. May I share that thought? Absolutely. I think what Dr. Bill exhibits and what I was fortunate enough to experience, I'll call synergy. Sorry if you think that's a buzzword. It's more than that. It's when two things are more together than they would have been alone. When I was a high school student, I got the same assignment every other high school student gets. Do some famous people, read about them, and then do a report on what made, what made them so famous. Every one of the people that we admire and respect combined disciplines they were never just one thing. Dr. Bill is not just one thing. They combine disciplines. So I say to you, as you go through your path, have interests aside from your number one fundamental interest that are companion interests. And you will see, like Steve Jobs did at Apple when he stuck at Stanford took a calligraphy course for crying out loud after they booted him out he, he monitored it for free he didn't know when he would use that calligraphy stuff watch his speech at stanford to his commencement address he that nevertheless used it to design the interface for the first mac that he introduced in 1984 so punchline be diverse in your interests follow your curiosity learn about other things yes be excellent in your preferred path, but keep your mind open because like Dr. Bill has done, you will discover areas of synergy where you can bring things you learned that were collateral together. And maybe you'll have a New York Times bestselling book like Dr. Bill, or maybe you'll invent a process that whitens the teeth better than any other process in the world. And maybe you'll have a dream practice in Beverly Hills. Jerry, that was awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I look forward to seeing you live, hopefully as a mentor at LEAP, if we can meet this summer live. And um, if people who are listening would like to contact you, what's the best way? All right, so the easiest way is my name. Just Google it. Uh, I, I, and I, I have a short email address, which is my name at mac.com, Riskin at mac.com. But never mind, I have tons of email addresses. Just Google me and you'll, you'll reach me quickly. And, and it's Jerry with the G, G-E-R-R-Y Riskin, R-I-S-K-N. Hey, Jerry, thank you so much. Uh, another great Meet the Mentor, Dr. Bill, over and out. To learn more about the Leap Foundation, go to leapfoundation.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Leap Foundation, on Instagram at Leap Foundation, and on Twitter at Leap Los Angeles. Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.